Welcome back to Maz Garage. I'm Kev. I'm Crick. And I'm Smokey. On this episode, we'll be talking about sobriety and addiction. So grab a log and join us by the fire. Yeah! Addiction and sobriety, a huge one, huge one since the first year, especially. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to start it off and explain kind of how this what kind of inspired this episode a little bit is that um well at least me me and kev we went to i've been wanting to take a break from cannabis for a while but also figured that'd be a good time to take a break from a little bit of everything so we talked about our new year's resolutions and we took a whole month a whole month off so this whole month of january which i've now heard it's called dry january that's actually a thing yeah i've heard that too so <laughs> we took a whole month off to just kind of see and take that break away from the substances for a little bit that's for me at least that was caffeine alcohol and cannabis <laughs> like uh, a week advance on the caffeine just because i was going to try to restart my uberman which i still haven't but it's crazy mm. when you think about the reliance that we gain on some of these things you know like you don't even realize how reliant right. you are on them right the caffeine was the honestly be one of the first ones that I had to adjust to just because like my energy levels were so out of whack like the first day I just had off so I was just like sleeping all day and I had it didn't have that thing to kick me back up and get the engine going in the morning that I was just so used to because you haven't been using the caffeine you've been looking for other substitutes to give you like not just natural energy but like just get like natural sugars and stuff that gets that gives you energy from stuff like that and i'm sure that that's had a little bit of a period to um to adapt to because yeah. especially with like sugar energy it, gi- it gives you a lot of energy in the beginning but there is a crash to it per se like if you eat a lot and i've noticed like if i eat a lot of like candy or a lot of like something with a lot of sugar that in a little bit of time eventually it's, i'm going to be feeling a little bit more tired I've caught myself the same. My, my aunt and uncle gave me a bag of M&Ms and I was like, I, I don't eat chocolate. I don't eat sweets like that. But I'll catch myself. Like even this morning, I was like, oh, I'll take a couple. I need a little bit of a, some kind of like sugar brush or some kind of little kick me up. So, and that's the thing I think you have to be careful about when trying to go sober is that it's so easy just to flip flop an addiction. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not getting it from this. I'm free of that. But you're doing this other thing 10 times as much than you normally would to try to like compensate for it. Yes. I've tried to adjust for that. Like catch myself, like grab the ding dong. Mm, I don't need that today. I'm just going to, you know, make a smoothie for breakfast. Exercise has been huge too. You know, I've been trying as yes. we talked about that. It's, you know, I don't want to replace this with just another stupid addiction. Like I'm going to quit right. smoking, but I'm going to go buy lotto tickets instead. It's, Okay, I'm going to do all these other things that are supposed to better myself, too. What I kind of thought about it as, too, is it's like reason why I feel like I use a lot of substances is to mask the issue. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. you're not you're not if you're tired because you're not getting enough sleep and you're just drinking coffee. All you're doing is put a bandaid on the situation. You're not getting more sleep like your body's telling you that you need. You're saying, I don't care. I need to do this other thing. So let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's Mm -hmm. go. And when you take away those other, uh, like those other substances, you're forced to be like, 
oh no, what does my body actually need? Because the I other blockades, the right? Like you start actually right. listening to it. That's that's one of the things that got me to actually start exercising regularly because like I'm like, oh yeah, I should exercise. Oh, I need to exercise. But now I'm like, I need that energy. <laughs> and so that's an actually decently healthy addiction I can kind of do. It's incredible how much energy you get from exercising. Which seems counterintuitive. You're like, and you think like, oh, I'm gonna exercise, that's gonna make me more tired. But that's not usually the case. <laughs> I mean, you are tired from like the workout. But generally, like you take a little bit of time to recover, like you're not going to you're not working out and then just going home and sleeping like it just doesn't typically work that way. Right. Your your body's sore and that the soreness kind of invigorates me too. like I'm like, when I feel the ache, I'm like, I actually got to work out. Right. Get your confidence going. Get You're motivated. Like you may not necessarily do the yard work that you were supposed to do after (laughs) a workout, but that's why you kind of want to plan for that. I'm not going to lie, since the dry January started, I've been doing a lot more stuff around my house. Like, and it's probably the same thing. Things that I should have been doing to the house, I was neglecting by doing these things to tell myself that I didn't need to do them. Is because it's probably challenged you having that, that free, you, you have the hours in the day. And if you're not like doing other activities, then you can find other activities you're finding like things that need to be done as opposed to like hobbies that you can do. You know, it didn't even just free up like free time because it didn't take a lot of time to do the things that I was doing that I've quit doing, but it's freed up a lot of my mental time, like time for me to actually think things through. And it's like, okay, no, just get it done. Mm -hmm. Just get it done. The inner voice has gotten a lot quieter. I will say that. And especially especially you look at the way like anxiety works, like these chemicals that essentially generate the dopamine that just kind of like continues the anxiety and continues the wheel. Yeah. Right. Mine's kind of the opposite though. Like my inner voice has gotten louder, but it's because I feel like I, I used to smoke a lot to kind of like quiet my brain down. And so now I'm having to, right. Now I'm having to address those thoughts. Now I'm having to like, actually be like change my mindset or change the way that I do it like my organization has gone downhill a little bit not terribly like some days I can get it going but I think it's because of like you know with ADD and stuff I used to take like medication stuff for it and then caffeine was the substitute when I just didn't feel like getting up and cleaning caffeine would make me want to clean but I've done it more where I like once I get into it's kind of like art or anything else once I get into cleaning then I can be in the mood for it but at first I just don't feel like still doing the I don't know what it is like in my adulthood like cleaning is like meditating to me yeah it is nice i won't lie like i get a lot of thinking done while i clean that too and and i can understand why people like myself included like you you play music or something like while you're cleaning because you're just kind of like you're in the moment you know yeah that's see that's how i am on like stimulants though like when i was on like adderall and like even caffeine I really enjoy cleaning. Like I can get in that mode where I'm just like that worker bee mood. And that's one of the reasons that I got off of Adderall in the first place was because it made me great at being that worker bee and being organized and clean, but it stifled my creativity because exactly. I was kind of zoning out into that kind of mindset instead of the more. And that would be my question is you've seen it with and without. And what is the reason that you can't achieve the same thing as with it, without it? probably because I just don't 
I don't enjoy it as much. It's making me change the reason why I want to clean. Cause I'm like, I know I should clean, but then now I'm more of that. I need to clean because I need to keep my space organized so I can find the things that I want and do the things that I need to do where before it's like, Oh, I know I'm expected to be to clean. I don't feel like doing it. So let me take the stimulant that makes me want to just focus my energy into whatever I have all this energy. Make me I need to it. focus it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a kickstart. My stance on the stimulants are they're not something that should be taken consistently and often, but they should be taken just at like moments where you need something to just kind of like get you that kick. Then once you have been in that mode, just like do your best to like stay in that mode and keep your mindset in that mode. Right. Moderation. Like that's where I've come. I don't know. This, this dry January has made me think a lot about that stuff because I look, at least for myself, medications and drugs and stimulants, all of it are a crutch. They're, they're to support me so I can continue with the bad habits that I'm choosing to do. You know, Adderall, so I can clean when I don't feel like cleaning, even though I know I should. Since stopping all that, I've somehow managed to wake up at 5.30 every morning, exercise, that gives me enough energy to do the dishes and laundry before I even have to leave for work every day. That's what I do. And while I'm doing this stuff, it nice. gives me ideas that I end up writing in my journal and stuff or drawing pictures and stuff and stuff that I probably should have been doing my whole life, but because I graduated school, I didn't have gym class, so I'm not going to exercise. <laughs> I get that. That's, that's where like, I used to see it as kind of, like that, like a crutch, like, especially when I was doing it, that's one reason I wanted to get off of it because I was feeling I was using, relying too heavily on it. And that's where I feel like now, I don't know if it's me wanting the addiction still part, wanting to go back to it, but I feel like part of me also now wants to see as a tool. Like there's, I still, I'm like, I'm excited to be able to smoke weed again. I, I'm not going to do it all the time, but I'm excited for when dry January is to be able to smoke and try to do something creative and kind of explore that mindset from a different view. And same thing with a cup of coffee. And like, I was talking to somebody about that with acid as well. Like I used to take acid more recreationally and just for, you know, a party night. But now if I took it again, I want to do something with it. I would want rather try to use it as a tool than use it as a, it's just like a, an extension or an escape, you know what I mean? Like utilize it more, not, yeah, not rely on it. More ways than one, right? You should do what the traditional artists of our time did and, and just drink yeah. absinthe. I, I would, if I could get my hand on some true absinthe, I'm down. Like, I you can like get it from New York. Somebody told me about it. <laughs> Yeah. There, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there should be liquor stores out in your area that should sell something to the degree of like the original absinthe that you get like overseas and stuff. Because the oh, I where, that the, was like the, really absinthe. the beverage warehouse down the road from us carries like the actual absinthe. It actually has the root in there because I thought it was like oh, okay. I thought it was like oh, this is absinthe. No, it's just called absinthe. Like licorice flavored alcohol. Yeah. We got that one time from Orchard Market. I remember that. Yeah, because yeah, like, um, because Josh really likes it, and he has like drink, um, a drink makes with well, like, had an absinthe night like a while ago, and it was just it was wild. Like drinking the stuff, like you, you literally like your like your mind, your mental was a hundred percent there. Like you were one hundred percent cognizant. You didn't feel drunk. 
but then as soon as you stood up or like tried to move you're just like whoa (laughs) like your body is drunk but like your mind is so like it, it was just crazy and that's where i think it's a, it's a it's a tool it can help you step outside of the everyday rat race it can help you step outside of that everyday mindset that we kind of get put into and what you have to focus on like i appreciate the relationship that i had with cannabis i abused it a little bit in the beginning but like before i even took this break i was weaning it down to doing it much more as dosing it out instead of just getting high all the time mm-hmm. and especially you know, living like, by yourself like it's oh, not necessarily social for you at that point so yeah recently uh which a lot of you viewers probably don't know is i just moved back to michigan from colorado and now i'm in a place on my own and i wasn't drinking much in colorado i wasn't a big drinker soon as i moved back to michigan man i was polishing off like fifths and half gallons like it was nothing and it was like because i was here alone i had nothing else to do and i moved out here on purpose so i could focus more on my creative works and the things that i so I had stuff to do. Just I just chose to. to do I, other stuff yeah. to distract yourself from it. What was supposed exactly. to be inspirational at first just became overtaking. Right. And since dry January, I've already done some more drawing than I was doing in the first month. And I guess I did I did some stuff in the first month too. I did work on some projects, I created some stuff, but wrote on the you know the book and stuff like that in this month, you know, the dryness. It took a while. Like being creative when you're used to when you're used to using a substance to be creative learning how to use your natural energy to be creative it's it's it's, different. it's still there it's still there you're still a creative person you just need to find a new way to tap into it like i think it's crazy that back when we were all in school like i felt like i was a very creative person especially like the being in band and woodshop and just being like classes that you could utilize your creativity and then going through college learning how to hone in on it a little bit and like focus it more directly on like what I can do in in terms of like different crafts and stuff and now it's like even thinking like I'm gonna go smoke a little weed it'll give me some inspiration it may or it may not like I don't necessarily have to smoke that weed to get that inspiration. I just had, it comes down to like having the drive so that you can get the inspiration and then the substance just kind of continues like what you're, um, what you're working on, I guess. We've talked about that a lot of times, you know, we didn't need anything as kids and we were creative as hell. Mm-hmm. So That's what's exactly what I was about to say, right. We didn't need caffeine. We didn't need substances, nothing. We hated coffee. I mean, we right. drink pop, but as kids we're also to a degree encouraged to do a lot of those things and as you become an adult a lot of those things like you have more priorities and more responsibilities as an adult than you do as a kid creativity is almost frowned upon in our society i wouldn't go as far as saying it's frowned upon but it's it's not as easy to like find like personal time that you improve your creativity just using an example a family man that's working like two two or so jobs to support his family wife doesn't work they have like two three kids i mean like you when you got responsibilities you got responsibilities but you at the same time i feel that you should be able to have cohesive communication 
that she gets her time, you get your time. Like the kids don't need 24 hour supervision. I mean, it may seem like it, but if you're doing the right things and watching them the right way, then you don't necessarily have to give them that 24 hour supervision. Right. I mean, like a lot of the times that like our parents would just kind of leave us in our rooms and we would kind of do our own thing. That's when we would be creative, right? It does. It does a little bit. And a lot of the people that either still live with their parents moved out, have gone back living with their parents that they find a lot. It's a lot easier for them to hone in on their creativity because they've had that time to they've had the ability before so it just comes down to like knowing what your resources and your restrictions that under a roof of someone that of like of someone someone you used to live with and that's you're teaching them too like when when you're pursuing your dreams and doing the things you enjoy your kids are watching they learn they don't learn from you by the things that you tell them they learn from you by the things that you do Mm -hmm. so if, if you're just work is all important making money is all that's important that's the lesson you're teaching them but if you're teaching them no like finding what makes you happy, finding what your creative outlets, finding a way to get back, finding like you can teach that through your actions. I think being a strong individual and spending time on your own is just as important to being a parent because it makes you more full and sure of yourself and you're communicating that back to your children. Makes independence look less scary to the child. I would absolutely agree with that. And then the child sees like you are involved and they learn that as the normal to be involved as opposed to a parent that would just go to work, come home, watch TV. Like, yeah, 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 okay, cool. You have your family TV time. Awesome. But then you don't really like do anything else as a family. You have, you eat dinner, but then you just, you're just watching TV. The kids are seeing you just watch TV. So either they're going to go play games, they're going to go do whatever, but then all they know is as an adult, you just go to work and you just watch TV. But nowadays there's so many new and different things that- Not even just a, nowadays, a lot, of the, a, lot, a lot of people look at just watching TV as poison. It is, and to really. try to like stay away from, stay away from doing that. They, they, like, they do anything in their power to not watch TV. I don't think it's so much poison because it's same thing. It's moderation. TV mm-hmm. can be inspiring yes. watching artistic and creative people and comedy. Like we need them once in a while, but if you're watching it for three hours straight, then yeah, that's probably a little bit too much, but it's like, that's where I've been trying to turn it. And I still consume a decent amount, but it's like, my goal now is to stop. I've consumed so much. I want to give back. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I've taken on all this inspiration. I've t- what am I going to do with all that? Is it just going to sit in my brain until I die? Or am I going to try to give back that creativity? And it's like, that's where I feel like we should appreciate people who are pursuing their arts more because we are, a, we're a society that loves entertainment. You mm-hmm. know I mean, whether it's music or art or whatever it is, like we love that as a society. So why do we put people down who are trying to pursue their dreams to do something creative? Because it's a waste of time, right? Right even though we love it yeah at the core of it a human is an individual that require that a social individual that requires entertainment mm-hmm. yeah and even if you're living by yourself you're doing something that is entertaining your interest you can learn from entertainment too like think about all the good messages and themes that are in the different animes that we watch or the different movies we watch like it's comedy on the forefront 
but deep down you're learning a lesson you're learning a lesson mm-hmm. about working together you're working a lesson about community you're you know what i mean same thing like doing the right thing standing up right. even when it's the hard thing to do um, there's an anime that there's an anime on uh, netflix uh, shaman king that was recommended to me to my uh, by my little brother it's really I, I like it but the a piece that is very annoying that i always find annoying in a lot of these animes is like the bad guys crew that feels like they're just like the most powerful people in the universe because they're the bad guys crew like they're like they're they're somehow stronger than all the rest of the people because they're with the bad guys crew and they they just they feel like they can bully they feel like they can control they feel like they it really sets it up for them getting knocked down by the good side like i understand where it's coming from i guess just because i've seen it in so many of the animes like they just they go over the top on it sometimes like this one that like like watching shaman king last night and the girl's just like oh let's just kill him let's just kill him like why why don't we just kill him like like, they don't have to be alive let's just kill him and i'm just like they just demonstrated that they could go toe to toe with you. But then of course they were suppressing their power and it's like, Oh no, no, I, you know what? I, I'm sick of them talking. Like, I'm just going to kill them real quick. But then luckily like someone that's like more powerful than them, like rushes in and is like, Hey, you said something about killing someone. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's very corny at times, but I understand why they do it that way because the kids love it. Well, there's a theory for that. That's actually a true documented thing that happens in society i i can't think of the name of it was two people who did a study on it and it's named after but it's this theory that the less intelligent you are the more confident you are in your abilities so the more intelligent you grow and under the more you know the more you understand that you know nothing you know what i mean it's that same kind of quote so it's a humbling thing right mm-hmm. so it's like as you if you are ignorant and you don't know much you're super confident in your abilities and sometimes overconfident and that's mm-hmm. why you see people move up in the business world to these grand positions who don't know anything of what they're doing because they know how to sell themselves. But once you start learning how little, you know, it can be stifling. It can be like, it can put you down. So that right there is a lesson to watch, watch out for your ignorance. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's I've been like deep diving that recently because I'm the same. I have a, I have a lack of confidence, even though people appreciate my abilities, but I have a hard time appreciating them myself. And I feel like just being humble, it's hard to like show a personal appreciation because when you're humble, it's so much easier to just show general appreciation towards other people because that's what, that's what being humble is. Right. Being just accepting of your own abilities and that not overestimating your abilities. But I think there's mm-hmm. even moderation to that too, because if, if you, if you don't appreciate your skills, Yes, you don't know everything, but if you don't appreciate the things you do know, it can stop you from doing great things because you're it like, can. oh, someone else can, can do it better. Over humble exactly. yourself. Yeah. You get you get that mentality where it's like, I'm not the right person for this. So then you just kind of the, the hamster wheel spins like what it what are you the right person that you can do? Mm-hmm. But realistically, you just got to start and learn and continue and repeat. Historically speaking, though, having some of our greatest accomplishments as humans come from people who were overconfident in their abilities and actually made something awesome. I mean, you can look at Elon Musk as an example. Well, I don't think he's the most educated person that he's been through a lot of like schooling and stuff, but the guy's extremely confident in his ability. He knows a ton through his experience 
and he puts like 16 hour days a day into what he loves for there's educated and intelligent you know what i mean there are two different things like the, the world can be two your sides of the two different sides of the same coin right the world can be your lesson is it how do you view it are you open to learning from and the experiences are you are you taking it in or are you just bulldozing through life you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's like that's where i've only had like um you know like two years of college before i kind of dipped out and like but i have a lot of people that commend me on like my vocabulary and the things that i use but it's because I, i'm like a sponge i like to receive information from everything and from everybody like you can learn a lesson from everybody it's just you, you can, can choose to learn it you know that's the trick you have to be able to yeah. listen instead of mm. await your turn to say what you want to say right like dictating the world and you do find yourself in a lot of those situations where like you're just having a conversation you want to say something but like you're list you're, you're trying to listen to what they say but at the same time remember what you wanted to say and then right. sometimes you go into a different direction then you completely forgotten what you wanted to say it may have been something important but it wasn't said that's how i feel like it ties it back into substances because like that's the battle that i've been going with lately is like i don't need to control everything around me i don't need to control how my life's going i don't need to control every little thing that like we have this need to control and understand and dictate our whole world around us but not necessary just live life just be in the moment like good and bad is going to happen to you and you know what i mean like just experience it and if you're too busy trying to control the experience you're not experiencing the experience and like so taking substances when it's like oh i don't want to be tired at this moment well maybe if you were tired you would sit back and listen a little bit more instead of being pumped up on caffeine and over rambling to people you know what i mean like just live in that experience live in the moment i think it's because at the heart human wants to be the creator and wants to be like the one that was in charge of what was being created that's meant that and whatnot but there comes a point where you have to be able to just appreciate things that other people and that other beings just in general have created right you need you need that input too and i mean you can't create unless you have that inspiration you need something to fuel that and like that same thing that happens with all of our episodes too. It's like, it's wild how conversations I had two weeks before with other people and things that they've told me fit so perfectly to what we talk about. And if I wasn't listening or wasn't, didn't have that conversation, I wouldn't have the input to regurgitate. You know what I mean? Like we're accumulation of the people we meet. It could also be because they are more recent because you did just have that conversation like a couple of weeks ago. Right. But I mean, I feel like anything, any of your thoughts are accumulations of inputs, whether it's something you read, something, a conversation people had with you it is the more recent they told you, the more prevalent it probably is in your mind. Too. I'm going to say something that you guys will probably disagree with, but humans are not creative on their own. We can't make things that we've never seen. All we do is imitate. This is actually from the book that you got me smoky for Christmas, where they were saying, when the first man climbed out of the tree and went out into the, you know, the wilderness where everything could kill them, they watched the other animals and learned what they did. They found water mm -hmm. by following animals to the water. They learned how to hunt by watching other animals hunt. And right. it's, we constantly take stuff that we see and smash it all together into something new. Th just using that example, think about like the growth of from the growth of a human from baby to adult like the baby 
when it's a baby is just watching and just watching things happen. Yeah, it's going to do things a little bit, like it's going to crawl, whatever, whatnot. But as it grows up, it's just going to imitate what it's seen. So relatively speaking, if you have a baby, you just put it in a room, like you feed it. So it like grows and stuff, but you don't like let it like enact it. Don't let it like imitate or like witness anything. When it's a kid, it's not going to do anything because it hasn't known anything. to do. There's, there's case, sadly cases like that, where it's super detrimental to the, to the kid's health. Like you don't, it, without stimuli, like, you know what I mean? We, it's not good for your mental health and it'll deteriorate. You need mm-hmm. input. It kind of ties back into that short film that I sent you guys too, where the guy had an original idea, like an original just thought that no one's ever thought of. And it was so simple, but everybody he told, it literally blew their minds to the point where they would, would, they would die and their brains would shoot out of their head. And it was like humans couldn't handle an original, yeah, like just an original idea. You know, they're like, that's never been thought of before. They're like, it's so good. It's, it's so, so simple. Boom. <laughs> like, that is funny. Yeah. It's, and you see that too, where like some people are, like narcissists are kind of that way, where maybe that's part of that is that they can't have an idea that's an outside idea. They need you to sell that idea that it was their idea, that it was their yes. kind of input. That's the only way it's well, a good idea. Because it has yeah. to directly affect them and it has to almost directly benefit them. Right. Right. I had a conversation recently too about learning lessons in life. Like people who can be mentors and stuff can teach you a lesson. And there's certain lessons that you can kind of grasp on and like, don't stick your finger in light socket. But there's other ones like you probably won't marry your high school sweetheart. No, we love each other. We're going to be together forever. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's some things that you have to learn from experience. You know what I mean? You have to learn from actually going through it no matter how many times people tell you sometimes we need that actual interaction in our life for that lesson to kick in somebody used to say that we went to middle school with life's tough get a helmet yeah yep. yeah but i mean you gotta let people fall to understand right right sometimes it'd be okay with falling yourself too like yeah you're not gonna be safe all the time life's gonna life's gonna kick your butt and someone was telling me that recently too it's uh there's a song about it, like a hundred good stories or hundred something like that but it's like the bad things that happen to you are terrible in the moment. Like it just seems like the worst thing ever, but down the road, they're, they're funny and they're hilarious. And they're, they're things that you can talk about and grow upon, but in the moment they seem so bad, (laughs) but just give it time. Time will heal it and turn it into something more palatable. Going back to what you said about the high school sweetheart, I like I've been having a thought every now and then, like someone that essentially has only dated one person, marries that one person, like they've only known one person in terms of like, like a relationship. So what like if you did, like, if it was like an unspoken rule, like you married your high school sweetheart, if you had almost like a rumspringer, where you could you had like a period of time that both you and you and your significant other you could just go nuts like see what other people are like like no whole like no transgressions and then when you're done with the rope stringer come back and you're like okay like i i can value you because you're not like this person ate bats like this person did this like you can like you can appreciate what the person that you love offers as opposed to other people that you don't love and what they don't offer 
Well, that's become more popular now too. Polyamory is like, as someone who's it's been sadly on dating websites, that's huge. Thing. Like, yeah, like everybody's like, yeah, I'm in a relationship, but it's an open relationship, and it's like that's something on its own. Like, I, I'd have a really hard time like being 70s. with somebody, and it's, yeah. it's because like the values, the tr- and traditions that like we were taught and we grew up with. Like, our parents weren't in open relationship, at least as far as we knew. Yeah, technically, like they, yeah. they weren't in. They weren't in open relationships. Like they just devoted their, they just devoted their time, their focus to their one significant other. And going like as we've kind of grown up and learned about like more people that have allowed like open relationships, like celebrity couples that do open relationships and just the whole poly poly like the whole poly ill in general, just seeing that different perspective. Right. And sometimes it doesn't always work out. That's where I feel like. It's not for everybody's nothing's for everybody because there are right. stories i hear about people in polyamorous relationships that it just it doesn't work it's a huge thing of trust and some people it works great for it but it's like it's just you can't you can't see anybody's life and be like okay that's just how i'm gonna live you know what I mean? you can't like you have to find what works for you and find someone who resonates with what you need out of life you know what i mean like if you're introvert extrovert yeah at the same token you can't look at them and say i can't believe they're living like that Exactly. Because I mean, how does it affect you? Right? right. I can't fathom how they could, how they could do that. Cool. Really? Ask Look, them, ask questions, learn, but you don't have yeah. to judge them for it. Like that. Yeah. You could ask questions or at the same time, like, really, you can't fathom, like put yourself in their situation. Right. Like, like take yourself out of your bubble. That's hard for a lot of people. It's hard it's for most people. hard for a lot of people. I think that's fear though, too, is people like fear the unknown. You know what I mean? There is something. And they're comfortable like with their own bubble. Right. And it's like, if you fear that though, you may not, you may not learn something about yourself. Like you may not understand where someone's coming from, but they could ex- explain it to you. And then you could, that could be your thing. You know what I mean? That you just never knew was a thing because you've never had any, you've never had anybody tell you that that's actually an option. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when you open yourself up to learn and stop being so afraid of changing what you see as a normal, like, that gives you the opportunity to to better express yourself and learn what you enjoy and and like your life a little bit better and especially like you see the difference in like the stuff that you have and some stuff that other people don't have and you just want to help get them to your level right but they may be comfortable on their level you know i mean they might not want to be rich they might not be that's the thing Like, like it comes down to what's driving you like is that more you want them on your level or do they want to be on your level they just need help right or right. want help i think that's huge first step with kids like how many like parents want their kids to leave live the life that they wish that they would have lived you know live mm-hmm. and it's like they're a whole different individuals visual with different yeah, wants their and own needs. person yeah like just because you messed it up don't make them go through the same shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i find so just something in general that just i don't know why it just it's weird to me but like juniors like you have your same like you have the same name as your father and you're supposed to you're you're expected to be oh that's he's a mini he's a mini him like he 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 follows in his footsteps he does whatever it's like what if junior is a complete opposite of the per- like like the, the saying chip off the old block like what yeah. if it was someone opposite like you have like you have someone that's completely opposite of you but then their name insinuates that they're an, a smaller version of you or that's something like that on. like it's just and there's a lot of cultures that that's just the way it is like the first son is junior that's how my and brother then the sec- is my brother's a junior 
yeah there's a, you know i don't know why i don't know why it's just it's it's odd I, I shouldn't go as far as saying odd but it's just it's different to me for whatever reason like like me personally i'm not going to name my child nathan like i'm going to have a different name for my son if it is a son that i have because they're an individual that's that's where i feel in my opinion at least from the with my dad naming my brother i felt like it was an egotistical move you know what mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's well, almost a little bit it's this need to want to live on beyond even yourself it's mm. like you want everybody to know of you so therefore you make a little you exactly you know what i mean to for, and that's where a lot of people don't want to be parents or they their argument if we had to parents i think even having a kid is being egotistical just with how many kids there are in the world but it's mm-hmm. like, and you think about how many like kids are neglected, malnourished, just need adoption, brought like, into conditions foster child, that foster it is not ideal. Right. And that's where like someone asked me about that recently, again, being on dating websites, which is terrible. Uh, they're not the greatest wife. in Michigan. <laughs> they're not the greatest anywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're really not. They asked me if but, I would want to be a, if I want to, if I want kids. And if you had asked me two years ago, yes, I 100% want a kid. I want a biological child that is mine. But what I've learned in the last two years, really, is that, like, I can be a father figure in so many more ways. Like, even if it's not my direct child, there's a lot of ways that I can be a mentor or a fatherly role to people who need it, to people who need that interaction or need someone who doesn't have a positive father role. Like, my Uncle Manny is the same way. Like, he doesn't have any direct descendants that are his blood relatives, but I see him as more of a father to me than my dad was. You know what I mean? Like that was because he was around impact. more. Yeah. And he had a better, he was more, he had a better view on life and was more open to letting us ask questions and understanding. And it was more of actual, like the type of father that I was kind of searching for someone who I could go to with questions than someone who was trying to tell me how the world was. And it's like, so it's like, you don't always need it to be your exact dad to have someone that you can look up to as a male role model. And like, no. so I think some people are actually better at being a role model than they are at being a parent too, though, at that same token, you know, yeah. it's not as much responsibility, right? Like, like yeah. the person messes up. It's not your neck. Yeah. You can step away and you can look at it from, it's kind of like a therapist there. The reason why therapy is so great, instead of talking to one of your friends or a family member member is it's an unbiased outside opinion on what's going Mm -hmm. on unbiased sometimes of course some therapists add their own personal bias into certain situations but in theory it's it's all they know though yeah you know but it's someone who's not so attached and can look at it objectively and ask you questions that are objective to make you just think about yourself for the situation and send someone who has an agenda even if they don't know they have an agenda they care about you or they want what's best for Mm -hmm. you so they're doing you know what i mean like at the end of the day they have that agenda that they want you to succeed and they want you to be satisfied they want you to be happy but with the with the therapist even though the yes they want those same things but they're just going to be the ones that are going to be able to ask you those questions that your friends aren't going to be able to Right. They're not telling you what to do. They're asking you questions so you can figure out what right. to do. Like they're like they're the ones that have gone through the gone through the training, gone through the education, like know like deep at like the heart of like what human emotion, what triggers. And they're the ones that are trying that that's why they, they ask more questions on like, well, why is it you think that this or why why is it that this like why do you prodding, think it, right. it works that way? Yeah. exactly they know they know how to ask the probing questions it's like an interview right i've tried to take that onto my own personal life too and like instead of giving people so much advice and say oh you should do this or this and this and this and this is what i think i 
just try to ask them questions. Like, I don't know. I don't know the best way to live life. Like it's honestly my life is this golden example, you know, like, so ask them questions that I've just am curious myself. So, cause they've never even asked themselves that question. Cause people do that to me all the time. They'll ask me a question on mine. just like, I've never asked myself that. Like some of the, some of the people that I work with at the pizzeria, like they, they think of some questions that I'm just like, Huh? what <laughs> hold right. on hold on i will be back in 30 minutes <laughs> and the entire time i'm on, on this delivery like how the hell am i gonna answer this question and i think it's it's because like it's a question that you don't necessarily ask yourself that it's like how do you like you never really had to come up with a response for exactly. it exactly that's that's where like uh someone who i was talking to on an online dating site uh who actually has watched a couple episodes of our show they asked me what I thought about what happened in the afterlife, which I've like thought about in different segments and different, what, like, but I've never put it all together into this, like put it all into one thing. So I ended up writing a freaking, like all this stuff out. And I was appreciative of the question because I'd never put it all together. I never turned that question into an actual full on thought because I just, I didn't want to dedicate that much energy to the afterlife, which is something that I can't do anything about it's going to happen to me no matter what but it was interesting to see all those different thoughts brought together because of a simple question that was asked like and it's wild to think about stuff like that is it fair to say that someone can be addicted to learning absolutely yes i think that's one of my problems i would even go as far as saying the same about myself like mm-hmm. i feel like I, there's a point where i just i want to i want to learn as much as possible and i love and i I enjoy going through like research and learning stuff and then the problem that i run into is that i never act on the knowledge that i or i don't find creative ways to act on the knowledge that i've learned so again it just becomes consuming consuming right yeah but i mean there's different types of people even from a managerial standpoint there's some people who like myself don't tell me what to do. Tell me why I got to do it and I'll do it 10 times better. But there's other people that's overwhelming too. And they just wanted to tell exactly. You got to do this now. You got to do it right now. You're the only person. You got to do this right now. It's like, okay, do that. But but if something goes, why am I doing it? Black and white. Exactly. So if it's, if you tell me why I'm doing it and something pops up, that's off, then I can understand the concept of the whole mm-hmm. thing. And some managers get annoyed with me at that because I'm asking, okay, well, why is that like, it's this? just the way and it's that. always been done. And it's right. And I'm also someone who doesn't micromanaged. Well, have you thought about doing it this way? Right. Well, even that it's, it's the micromanagement. Like so many people, so many complaints just that I do hear it. from managers is like, they hate micromanaging. They have them come mm-hmm. to them constantly for everything but it's because you're not giving them the tools to figure it out on themselves. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're, you're teaching just like a parent, you're teaching them that just do what I say and not to be a free thinker. So then when anything ever goes wrong, what are they going to do? They're going to try to do what you say. And if they don't know, they're going to come to you. So it's like teach them to solve the problems on their own. And encourage it if they don't necessarily solve it the right way. Like, Hey, right. you tried, what did you learn? Yeah, ask questions you may have another chance like this in the future and what are you going to do differently why did you do it that way what was your reasonings Mm -hmm. okay this is what you know this is why that didn't work then you know express just barking orders right you know 
or that's or it's only worked for so long you know especially when that wears off and it just you start to shut down from that I, I get when people start barking at me now or people start raising their voice and yelling at me now I shut down I'm done with that conversation mm-hmm. because, yeah, yeah I, mean, I see where this is going why even waste like my that. energy yep. I listen and if if they re- if they do continue to like raise I just stare at them mm-hmm. I stare at them and as soon as I'm ready to talk I talk in a very low tone and usually usually the first thing I say is do you really have to be so loud I'm right here. Right. You're not getting your point across any better by screaming at me. And yeah. And, and causing a scene. Right. Like, like, or what I used to do, which sometimes I just haven't done it as often, but I'll stare at them. It'll be quiet for like a minute. And I'll say, let's have five over here real quick. Mm -hmm. I don't don't put, I don't care who, I don't care if you're the owner of the business. If you're going to yell at me, I ain't working for you. Like if you're Mm -hmm. not going to, if you're not going to apologize, people can have bad days. People can have be at their wits end and stuff can happen. I'll give you the chance to apologize and say, this is not how I conduct myself. This is not how things are supposed to go. But if that's your constant answer to everything, I'm a good employee. I'll go work somewhere else. Exactly. I don't have to subject myself to that. And no no one should have to to subject themselves to that. And you should be allowed to stand up for yourself. I'll tell every one of our coworkers, like what just happened. And some of them may leave. If they do, whatever. It's not my control. The, the owner of the company that I'm working for now, when he interviewed me, asked me a question that I've never been asked before in an interview. He said, what would you do if I told you to do something and you knew it was 100% wrong? That's you knew one. it was wrong. And I was like, I kind of bathed around. I was like, well, I'd probably attempt it first your way. And then if it's not working, I'd come to you with why. And he's like, no, what if you knew it was just a hundred percent not what you're supposed to do. And I honestly, I tell you that I'm not going to do it or that we shouldn't do it. And he was appreciative of it. He's like, thank you. He's like, I don't want people just going to tell me that. Mm-hmm. He's like, you have to have like, which is so weird. Cause a lot of, that's not how a lot of owners work. It's do as I say, you know what I mean? And so like that was refreshing on its own, having someone who was receptive and saying, no, call me out because that's I don't a, know everything. That's a more, that's a more progressive way of managing. Yeah. That's how I was at Journeys too. When I did monthly reviews with my employees, first part was telling them about things that they can improve on, things they're doing great on. And then it's like, what could I do better? Mm-hmm. How, how can I manage you better? You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm still not done growing. I'm not done. I'm not the best manager in the world. Help me be better so that I can make you better. You know what I mean? We're both growing together. And that's how you get beautiful things to happen because you guys can understand each other on a different level builds that cohesiveness yeah hopefully you have that cohesive communication that that person can actually be honest with you because in my experience they ask you that question and it's a little intimidating you want to be honest with them but at the same time you don't want to come across the wrong way and that's that's you can get past that by how you ask it in your body language and, mm-hmm. and the person you are, if you're a receptive person, or if when they do finally say something, you put, shut them down quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean, then it's like, Oh yeah, tell me everything. But as soon as you, I'm going to tell you, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like I'm asking you because it's, it's your intent. It's like everything else. It's your intent. Why are you asking them? Are you asking because you want to be better or because you just want them to feel heard? Right. You know I mean, or because you're trying to catch them. Right. Yeah. Trying to Could see be a combination. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's, that's a lot of stuff is misconstrued off intent. Like it's not just about what you say. It's the reason for what you say, you know what I mean? And that comes across in 
how other people receive it. And that honestly just goes back to like, what is your intent behind utilizing or partaking in the substance or the activities? Right. That's what I said. Yes. Is it, is it an escape or is it a tool? You know what I mean? Like, are you trying to step out of your situation? Or are you trying to accentuate your situation? Like mm-hmm. there was a couple that came in the dispensary. Oh, just, I love this couple. They were like this old, like German couple. And they had like this heavy German accent nice. and they would just be like, they'd come in by weed from time to time. And we, we talked to them about it. And they said, what we use it for is every night we smoke a little bit of weed, make a really nice dinner. And then we put on some really good music. And so we use it to accentuate the dinner and accentuate the music and then just live in that for a little while. And it's like, we don't do it all day. We don't, do, they don't even do it every day, every day either. It was just like, they'd have these evenings that were smoke, we eat a great meal and get lost in the music. You know, those people should try nitrous balloons. <laughs> <laughs> for listening to music, I'm sorry. Like that, since trying nitrous balloons not that long ago and listening to music and it just, you're in a completely different headspace. Like I have never listened to music like that on that level. And it almost is a little bit disappointing to listen to music and not be on that level. Like I'm just like, I felt it at like the high. That brings up at a good point. That's chasing the dragon. That's the main reason that I used to smoke weed every once in a great while. You know what I mean? I never did it all the time, but you don't get that high that you used to get and you don't get that euphoria you do more of it and more of it and more of it and more mm-hmm. of it trying to reach that same level of euphoria and becomes dangerous right dangerous. yes just a couple of days ago a friend a friend of ours we smoked a bowl and that friend like me i'm fine i didn't even really look like i had just smoked weed but the friend got so hot they like sat down and they just like couldn't move because they were like, everything was just so intense. Like they couldn't really do very much. They were supposed to be like waxing their snowboard, getting ready for Bohemia. But, and they also had told me, they're like, I don't smoke, I don't smoke nearly as much as I used to. It doesn't even take that much for me to really get high. I should have just let them hit the bullet once, but they hit it like two, three times. And it just, when I see people that it does that, like people that get that too high level, and I think of how much weed I smoke on a daily basis that I don't even come close to scratching that level. It just, it puts it in perspective. That's sad. A lot of overdoses happen. Like people who haven't done a substance in a very long time, get it again. They're like, Oh, I used to do like all this much. I'm just going to keep going. And then it's too much their body. Even in the animus industry, there was a, you know, it was a tolerance break. Like people who didn't feel that much freaking high would even take three days off. And even after three days of just nothing, it's like fasting. It would hit you that much harder. You know what I mean? Because again, you're not built up on it. That's where I feel like I've read this in a, in a comic because I've been watching more stuff about other people who have taken breaks from you know smoking or quit smoking altogether. To see what they've and, done. Yeah, to see what they've done and their experience with it. And one comment that really kind of stood out is they said, like, you've been high for so long. Sober can be almost a new kind of high for you. It's a, it's, it's a, it's it's a, a different, different perspective. Mindset. Yeah, it's a different mindset. And that's literally how I thought it. I felt like being sober, I was checking with my mind in a bunch of different ways. And it was just weird to have that that clarity and that this different thought process. There's definitely negatives from it, but But even a sober now is different from the sober before you started smoking. 
yeah. it's a whole different kind of sober because now you've got a different perspective to correlate with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, <laughs> I haven't been sober when I, before taking this break in honestly, probably four to five years. Like that's wild to say, but I smoke pretty like actual almost. sober, sober. Yeah. I've been smoking weed almost every single day for four to five years to help with anxiety and depression and things like that. So it was like, pretty much every day. I think I took a one or two day tolerance break at one point, but it's like, I was always kind of, I thought I needed it. I thought if I stop smoking weed, am I going to have like an anxiety attack? Am I going to go into a depressive episode? Am I going to, is my life just going to fall apart if I stop smoking weed? No. I'm you just, almost, I'm, I'm, that's that hamster. That's the hamster wheel. See like before, like my tolerance break would be like me going away for like a night or two on like a vacation or like, go to like an event or something that like I just don't have it with me I don't bring it with me because I don't want to like get caught with it but nowadays I don't really have to have that issue right that's that's where I knew kind of problem too is because I'd always find a way to bring it with me even Mm -hmm. in dangerous situations I'd find a way to make sure I had it with me just in case just in case I needed it you know what I mean and that's where it's like they say you can't get like addicted to weed but it's like you can get addicted to the mindset that puts you in it it can feel like it yeah like you get relying on it where it's like what if i need it what if i'm having a really bad time and i need it and then like but you don't you're fine before you don't it. you'll be fine it's, now ju- it's just a secondary substance right. like you may be feeling bad but there's a million and a half other different things that you can that you can do and it's okay to feel bad it's okay to feel sad it's okay to feel anxious it's okay to feel depressed so like emotions are fine that's what makes that's it really yeah at the heart of it like it is okay yeah like so many people are like oh i feel i feel depressed and this is a bad thing it's like you're just feeling an emotion based upon like the situation that you're in like honestly it's probably a good thing that you're feeling bad because it means that you're feeling like the way that you should be thinking about someone about something just something happening that's not necessarily a good thing like if you're feeling good about a bad thing happening, that's the for that's how serial killers get brought up. Right. Yeah. Change your situation. Like if you're that depressed in your situation, make the efforts to change it. Don't cover up your situation. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. Like if it's if it's if it's continuing to make you feel bad, like is it you doing something or is it something happening? And do you have control over helping yourself feel the emotions that you want to feel? Right. You're feeling the emotions for a reason. It's your, right. your mind telling you to look deeper into the situation. And at the heart of it, humans will always have emotions. That's just something that's in our genetics. It's one, yeah, it's one of the things that makes us human. It's that sentient. And even like someone that, oh, that, that person, that person shows no signs of emotion. They have it inside, but something that they choose not to express it. I don't know if you experienced this as well, Kev, from with going sober from like THC, but I have had so many more dreams. Oh my God. I started a dream journal. Same. Same. Every, every, I didn't never had dreams. I'd, I would have, I'd have dreams once in a great while. I have dreams every single night. Like every for the last four night. days? Wow. No, the last 30 days. Oh, and wow. to the dude, 
every single day I have these very vivid dreams and some of them are very dark. Some of them are very like messed up and some of them are very like sad. Like one I had was a really sad dream and that sadness like carried on for the most of that day. Like I, it locked wow. into my mind with it, but that's where I think dreams are your subconscious. And when you bury that stuff down, you're not dealing with it. You're just pushing it down, pushing mm -hmm. it down. And so your dreams, your subconscious mind saying, no, nope, you're sleeping now. So here it all comes back up. And it's like, so they've been getting better. Like the first started with the dreams being pretty intense and deep. And now they're getting to more like good and bad dreams and like mixtures of it. Could it be because at the beginning you were going through that adjusting state, that adjusting Withdrawal. state. So yes, it was almost like your withdrawals being enacted for you visually, but they had to do it while you were sleeping and it's hey you want these to go away give it back because even though even, <laughs> even you may not be feeling irritable but you may have irritableness to you just because you're going through that state the only reason i think it's the subconscious is because at least how i interpreted the dreams there are things that i hadn't dealt with like it made sense why i was having that dream like that's what i've been noticing as i write them down that's the only way yeah, I've noticed because I'm writing down. Interesting. The themes, you see common themes, like one, and you guys were in couple two, where like people were like, I had a bunch of dreams about people trying to steal from me or steal from my friends. It wasn't exactly for me. There was people trying to steal from my friends and huh. me hunting down the thief. <laughs> yeah. And like chasing the bounty hunter. That, right. And so it's like, it's, and those ones, I don't exactly know what it means, but yeah, some of the other ones, it was like, <laughs> no, that makes a, a lot of sense why I'm having that dream because I never really dealt with that. And so it's like, you have to deal with stuff. It doesn't just go somewhere. You know what I mean? If you don't accept it or let it go or move beyond it, it's going to still be there in your mind somewhere. You Obviously. Know? And you've got probably four years of stuff to unpack in there. Yep. Something <laughs> along those lines. It, it, that's very interesting that like, I don't remember like half, like any of my dreams. And I almost, I feel like at the time that I wake up, like if I, I had to have been just doing something to a level of dreaming before I just woke up, but I think it's because as soon as I wake up, I'm thinking about what are the things that I need to accomplish for the day. Well, THC right? in, in, inhibits dreams. I think it's the really? memories. Well, so you still have the dreams, but you can't remember them when you wake up. Like it, And the THC is the reason that yeah, that's what I've, at least what I was told being in dispensaries and stuff like that, because that's what I hear from a lot of people who smoke is that you don't have as many dreams when you smoke. Huh. And like, even when I smoke, the only time I would have a dream is if I were to wake up in the morning and then not smoke and fall back asleep and then wake up again would be the only time I'd ever have an actual dream when I was smoking. And yet, literally since this, since I stopped smoking and caffeine, I guess too, is the other thing that Inhibitor, I stopped. That makes sense. Yeah, but every You're night I have me. had a dream. Every single night in the last 30 days, I've had a dream. And I remembered yes. it in the morning. I want to see these dream journals dude, it's, eventually. Like, I, that's just so wild. Yeah. Just imagine can, going through it, dude. Like, it's like oh. from not having dreams to, like, you think they're real too because you're not used to remembering them. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's been... So it's been what, what, are, what, are, what are things going to be like? Like, you said that you're not going to do this forever. So you're... And you're looking forward to smoking cannabis again. So what are things going to be like as soon as you start smoking cannabis again and then you no longer remember these dreams at vivid detail? That's where I'd like to go more into moderation. So I want to try to do it where I'm just maybe on the weekends or, you know, 
limited like two days a week where it's i'm going to use it as a tool i'm going to use it for creative reasons and so at times yeah i might not have dreams but the other five days of the week i'll probably have dreams because my dreams started like the second day after i stopped you know so like if it'll push them out but i should still have those five days where i'm still going through the dreams and my subconscious is able to come up because that's a natural process that built us to having dreams for some reason you know what i mean so it's like we need that you know nothing is random right everything has a purpose right especially when dreams seem so random you think about a lot of people well you think about some some of the people that like invented something that they're like it came to me in a dream yeah thinking to myself yeah. like how I, I i don't nothing comes to me in a dream i don't remember anything <laughs> about it that's where i would have learned how to better lucid dream they probably because... weren't smoking cannabis or drinking coffee or not to the level of like an everyday drinking coffee every day and smoking cannabis every day i don't know if coffee affects me yeah i think a lot of it is your mindset too though like the mindset that you go into with it because Crick warned me about astral projection last week because we've been talking about doing it for a while. And I, I downloaded an ebook, and for some reason, because he warned me, I decided I was going to keep trying it. And so now I found this thing, and it says, okay, so before you go to sleep, you're just laying there. Get your body in a meditative state and tell yourself, I will remember this. I will not fear what I run into. I will dream lucidly. And ever since, I have remembered everything that I dream. It's only been four days, but every single day, straight, clear as day, I wake up and I remember everything that happened. That's, That's incredible. I've been doing that on accident because I used to smoke to go to bed, like I, to shut off my mind so I could go to sleep. Now I can't sleep, so I have to meditate. Like why I'm in bed, shut down my brain naturally. So I'm not, not with the intent to dream, but maybe that's why I've been having so much more vivid dreams because I've had to kind of put myself in a meditative state. Definitely a level to it. That's, that is incredible. That is incredible. You guys almost make me want to like go through a period just to see like, if I like what I experience. I, I would, after going through it for a month, I was so not like there was part of me that was really afraid of going without smoking or any kind of other thing, but I would recommend it. Like, even if you're slightly curious, like try it for a week, but like, I recommend trying it, like just experiencing that sobriety, because I feel like it makes you appreciate substances even more. And it makes you understand, appreciate yourself even more in your own mind and what your own mind's capable of doing. Your own mind's just as fun and interesting as a substance. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, taking that time away to actually like just reset just you know what i mean that's where i'm like i'm excited to smoke i'm excited to have a nice cup of coffee and get a bunch of stuff done that i need to do but i feel like i'm going to go back into it with a complete different view of it and a different view of myself that makes me more confident in myself that i don't need substances that they're just an extra not a not a necessity that's the trick is keeping that mentality right before it turns into an addiction again Right. And that's where I feel right. like it's moderation, not giving it to myself every single day. I don't need to smoke weed every day. I don't need to smoke weed in general. I do it because it's something that I enjoy. I do it something that I enjoy. Sometimes I can enjoy the after effects of it. Same thing with a cup of coffee. I can enjoy that stimulant and the things that I get done because of that stimulant. You know what I mean? But I don't need it. 
I enjoy the after effect. I'm personally probably going to stick with this. It's like the it's like the reason that people go through a diet. Yeah, exactly. You see the results. You're not going to keep up with the diet if you don't like the results. Right. Yeah. You know? Or if you see no results, you're just like, oh, this is crap. But you also eat a cake every night. Right. Or you've done it only one time. And, and yeah. I, I commend you, Kev, too. Like, sticking to sobriety is huge. Like, if you could just, if I could do that completely. Like, I think part of the reason that I want to go back into it, too, is to show myself I have control over the substances. I can, for me, I need to know that I can do them and not like worry about if, oh, if I smoke one day, am I going to be smoking all the time? Know that I can do it with control. Know that I can smoke yeah. and it's under, I pick when I do it. I pick when I drink. I, pick, you know. I might do it socially with people once in a while, but it's, it's definitely not going back to where it was. Cause I, I like where I'm at. I like where my head's at and I like what I am doing, you know, and it's, I forgot what this felt like. You know, when Same. I first started smoking again, it was I'd come home from work frustrated and instantly I'm into a chaotic house. And it's like, OK, if I don't want to be a complete dick to everybody, I'm going to do this to release. Uh, yep. And then it turned into, OK, I'm going to do this more. I'm going to do it more. I'm going to do it more. And then it was just all the fucking time. And it's I don't need that all the time. Kids like I, I, I really like you, like something about you. You just you seem happier. You seem more open right you're you're just like yeah but like i'm I'm here for you and that's where i feel like it's you know take the lesson that it gives you like same thing with people who are on antidepressants they don't always need to be on antidepressants there it teaches them the lesson that they don't always need to be depressed and how to handle situations with that level taken off of it so like you can do the same thing with cannabis it, it taught you how to view the world in a more calm light you know what i mean you can take that lesson and do it sober you now know that you have that capability of being calm and sitting back and I have been doing that a lot better. I don't snap anymore nearly as bad as I used to or nearly as often. It's okay. Let me That's just good. step away from this for a minute. I'm not going to argue with a five-year-old. <laughs> it makes me think about like the people that um, they are being forced to go through a sobriety for like legal reasons. And the difference in the mindset that when you're being forced this sobriety as opposed to like intrinsically forcing it upon yourself, like just like voluntarily doing it. It's like you're being treated like a child, right? Almost a little bit like, but at the same time, at the heart of it, it's the lesson that they just yeah. want, they want you to understand that this substance doesn't have control over you, that you have control over the substance. Right. So, exactly. and, it, and that's why it comes like typically when legal is, when legal's involved, it was you that made decisions that got the legal involved. Mm -hmm. Even sometimes conditions are Causing just completely outside of your control. But that's really what the heart of it is, is just learning that you are in control. So even the reason that I even bring it up is that you have some of these people that like, I, I use someone that's had like, like someone that's been like alcohol free someone that like got a dui and has been alcohol free for like 30 plus years like is that person truly in control that they're choosing not to or at what point do we say that that person is avoiding right is it fear or is it a choice right and that's where like i i almost question like what is a pure 
sobriety like can you are you you're not even allowed to like just have a, like a nice glass of wine with like a nice medium rare steak they just pair really well i think that's genetics too because like i know from my genetics i am more of an addictive personality like when i just everything like it's it's how a lot of my family members are where it's like when you get something that's addictive chemically you feed on you feed on you feed on it so there are some things that it's better just to abstain from is that where ADD comes from? They just broke that into addictive? Because it's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, even with music, people with ADD, I'm really bad with that, where I'll find a song I like and I need to listen to it on repeat, 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 repeat. The radio is really good at that. <laughs> music, if you think about it, music is a drug. It's sending vibrations into your mind that can change your mind state. I feel like you can use music as a drug. You can use it as a stimulant. You can use it as a depressant. You can use it as all these different things, depending on the, the notes that you're sending into you. And there's a reason we've had, we've had drugs since civilization started and we've had music since civilization started. You know what I mean? We've, we've always needed them hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think you can, that's where I had to be careful. And I took some time off even music during this because I didn't want to rely only on music to dictate my moods as well. Yeah. I kind of use it to figure out what kind of music would dictate what I need to do. You know, like music without lyrics, I can be productive. Music with lyrics, I end up just listening to the music. Mm -hmm. I can see that. See, I'm more productive because I'll sing along. Like if I can sing along with it, go with it. You know what I mean? Like that gets me more energized and motivated. You know what I mean? That, that because thing, yeah. you... Uh, you kind you kind of associate the music and like the sounds that you're hearing with something that you've previously heard, right? And when I play a song, and generally it's to accentuate the mood I'm already in, not to try to change my mood, but try to express my mood. So it's like because I feel like I need to get it out. Like if I'm sad, I'll throw on something super sad or metal or something to just get that aggression out. And if I'm happy, I want to accentuate that more. And encapsulate it like not try to discourage myself from feeling that but to make myself feel that deeper make it just resonate with me fully i guess in mine i was trying more so to mute the outside noises got you and bring it inward see that's where mine is to mute the inside noises my mind never shuts <laughs> up so it's like dude focus on one thing <laughs> all that inside voice is just your conscious yeah yeah some though like my anxiety voice is, is my not always is right. kind of a dick then yeah like sometimes. I, there's sometimes where i know my mind is wrong like i know on a real level that it's being over exaggerative or it's being it's just being too too extreme to where i at least aware enough of it now where i'm like that's i just know that's not true i know what you're trying to make me afraid of is not true and that's where a lot of it comes from fear there's a show on netflix big mouth and in that show, they they depict anxiety th through a mosquito. I just yeah. seeing that analogy, I can't see any other way that anxiety, it can be good to think about, but then it's also very bad because you're just continuing to think about it mm -hmm. like a mosquito, like a mosquito that's in your presence. You're like, okay, if you're, if you're not like biting me, you're in my presence. But as soon as you're biting me, you're dead. Right. But sometimes I'll even get excited about something I did 15 years ago. 
that doesn't matter at all anymore. There's nothing I can do about because it Because you're thinking about what it affected 15 years ago. You're right. thinking about who might have affected thinking 15 years. You're thinking about like different things that could have happened since then how that affects from that character. 15 years ago. Like, am I that person because I made that mistake and like, I would never do that again to anybody, but I still did that at one point. How could I do something like that? Or how could I react that way? Or like, you know what I mean? And it's like, I've changed my character from that, but how could I ever do that? You know? So I feel like that's where some maybe it's like a dream though. And maybe you're pulling the wrong thing out of it. Right. I'm maybe it's trying to tell that. you something else. Yeah. That's a good call. What do you guys, well, what are your guys' reactions? And if, if this has happened to you, but if you have a dream that reenacts like something that happened in the past, that was like a traumatizing experience. You mean my last 30 days? <laughs> <laughs> Which Has it weird. really been that way every single day? Kind of. So like what's weird is a lot of it will be topics of it. They'll be in different locations. Like they'll be like people who have never been to my grandpa's house. They'll be, it'll be similar to interactions or a situation that I'm dealing with with them, but in a different location that's also familiar to me. And so mm. it's like, it is still those experiences. It's things that I have let go or because of the, it's not a one for one. It's not exactly what happened, but it's a version of it. You kind of see, you kind of right there. there are things that you haven't let go of. So right. if I go as far as saying there are things that you previously thought about before you dreamed about them, if you hadn't thought like if things that you don't necessarily think about happen mm. in the dream, if it yields as much weight. I think so, because I feel like it makes me look at them in a different light. I may have realized that they happened, but maybe I didn't attach that emotion with them per se. Or maybe I didn't give them that weight. I don't know. Your dreams put it in a way that make it accentuate the things that it wants you to see, right? Right. Kind of like acid. Like when you take acid, things that may seem trivial or may seem like, at least from some of my experience, it's like life's trying to tell you a story. When I take acid, it's like, it's trying to like, like there was one time I remember when I was driving back in a car after a concert and stuff like that. And literally every song that came on the radio seemed like it came out on purpose and it was playing along with the background and all this stuff to kind of teach me like this overall theme. And it was just like, if I were to sit here sober like, like this, the universe this not... is speaking to me right now. Exactly. And it's like, if I were to be that, that sober, I wouldn't probably interpret that. I wouldn't even notice. See, like, no. for, like yeah. for, so for me, like not, being on or off acid for those things but like i almost take like the rick sanchez route where i'll see things that'll just like happen as a coincidence and it just all falls into place so perfectly and i literally laugh about it happening happening because it's, it's like i never would have thought about this but now as a result this 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 and this has all happened and it just I, it just stuns me and that's why i laugh about it and that's where is that coincidence that that comes into the play of that's why i laugh that's the question i'm just like is it like did this truly happen or is something happening here well and that's where i feel like it's it's a same thing with it like we can be an antidepressant to tell you to teach with those situations that's how now i swear it's more when i listen to the radio than when i listen to songs that i pick but the radio will play as i'm switching through stuff stuff that i need to hear It'll play the things that I need here. Maybe if it's a song I've never heard or something I haven't heard in a long time, it'll play it for the experience that I'm going through at the moment. And 
same with other influences. It's like, like people will have a conversation with me organically that I needed to have, but I didn't know or plan it or orchestrate it'll be like but i need it it'll that. be like that joke that you'll see on like animation shows like where like something just happened and then the person goes into their car and just drive and now listen to this number one hit you know you messed up <laughs> yeah dude exactly <laughs> those <laughs> ideas come yeah. from somewhere right <laughs> right and it's like some of it you can probably construe to try to conform it to your situation but some of them it just seems like yeah, it's a love song, and I'm probably a lot of people deal with love situations. But to the angle that this artist approached it from, and the situation, and the that lyrics, talking about, and how, and how relatable well that, the exactly. lyrics are to ju- what just happened, to that you're just like, universe, you son of a bitch. Yeah, it goes back to going with the flow of things and not trying to dictate the world around you. Because some of the best experiences I've had in my life, and some of the best times I've had in my life, is when I just go with the flow. When I stop trying to orchestrate it, when I try to just let it be and go with it you can i can kind of manipulate a little bit but don't try to dictate it like i can control my actions but be a part of the universe instead of trying to be an orchestrator and it's hard to stay in that mentality i was karaoke at my house last week (laughs) it's it's it's, it's, but that's i think i think the biggest hard part about that is the bad things and the sad things and the devastating things and life can't be happy all the time right right so embrace them and accept them and it's okay to be sad it's okay to be mad it's okay to be upset live in that moment because it's going to be gone eventually you know what i mean and you can look back on it and it can be something great it can be a as much as you want to like sit and ponder on on like what happened in the past you're in the present Mm -hmm. so don't sulk over what happened in the past learn from it and like apply it to what's to what you can do in the present be in the present that's how a lot, of, a lot of these, a lot of people that go through like a strife where like their, 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 uh, their parents were alcoholics or just never around. So they were like heavily neglected or were like abused as, as children. And they learn, they, they learn from it. They grow, they become stronger and they teach others that they can do it too. Right. And that's where I think you have to, you have to be careful with that because being a parent, because you can same way you, you teach from your actions. So if you're teaching your kids to deal with their stresses by you know, drowning them in alcohol or drowning them in other substances, like drowning them in abusing, right? You're not teaching them to ask themselves deeper questions. You're mm-hmm. teaching them just how to cover it up. You're teaching them how to mask it. And then someone's got to learn that lesson at some point to stop the cycle. And if it's you, good luck teaching it to others in a way that they'll listen, not just by telling them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to at the heart of it is just knowing the language that both of you are speaking. And that's, that's where I feel like you never intent should be to force someone to learn something just be the individual that you want to be and that's the best way you'll ever teach anybody is through your actions you're never going to convince anybody you're never going to bog them down with information be the person who you truly want to be and you'll inspire tons of people you'll you'll, you'll make your you'll make your influence on the world if you just be you talk is cheap but action speaks volume right you never know who you're going to inspire with your actions you